More from the Media First blog. The Communicators Who Stood Out in 2022. Written by Adam Fisher and read by Howard Bentham. What spokespeople stood out this year? Every December, we like to look back over the past 12 months and highlight those who have stood out for the way they've managed their time in the spotlight. This year, the list includes a world leader, campaigners, a sporting star and someone who makes you want to listen whenever they speak. Few people have dominated our screens and airwaves this year as much as Mick Lynch. Facing the media when your members are bringing the country's rail services to a halt is not an easy task. But the General Secretary of the Rail, Maritime and Transport Workers, the RMT Union, has made many of us stop in our tracks and listen to what he has to say, and has produced some memorable moments. In one interview with Sky News, Mr Lynch accused presenter Kay Burley's question of verging on nonsense. The exchange saw Miss Burley ask what the union would do if agency workers hired by the government attempted to cross a picket line to take up posts left by striking workers. As the line of questioning developed, she referenced the miners' strike, which saw divides between picket lines and the workers who crossed them. Well, does it look like the miners' strike? asked Mr Lynch as he stepped aside and pointed to the picket line behind him. What are you talking about? You seem to have gone off into a world that isn't real. Miss Burley said, I'm sorry that you feel the need to ridicule me. I'm just asking what you'd expect your members to do if agency workers... And before she could finish, Mr Lynch interrupted, saying, Your questions are verging into the nonsense. We run a picket as effectively as we can. When Richard Maidley asked him on Good Morning Britain, Are you or are you not a Marxist? Mr Lynch laughed and said, Richard, you do come up with the most remarkable twaddle sometimes, I have to say. And during a lengthy interview with Piers Morgan, the host questioned him about having the Thunderbirds baddie The Hood as his Facebook profile image. I'm just wondering where the comparison goes because he was obviously an evil, criminal terrorist mastermind described as the world's most dangerous man who wrecked utter carnage and havoc on the public, Mr Morgan said. Is that the level you're pitching this at, Piers? Mr Lynch replied. That is a joke amongst me and my friends, and you can see the likeness if you like. As the line of questioning was pursued, Mr Lynch added, He's the most evil puppet made out of vinyl in the world. Is that the level journalism's at these days? Mr Lynch presents something of a conundrum for those of us in media training. He's measured and calm under pressure. You feel he answers the questions asked. He allows his personality to come through, lands his messages, tells human stories and uses everyday language, all the things we stress to delegates during our media training courses. But there's also an abrasiveness about his approach that would not work for everyone and certainly not for many commercial companies. He seems to love winding up journalists and ridiculing their questions. Ahead of the November strikes... He gave a typical no-nonsense response to a question about the action from GB News. Is there anyone from a normal outlet? He replied. Ouch. Asked by a Daily Mail reporter if he was proud of being known as Mick Grinch, he replied, that's the sort of quality journalism I've come to expect from your particular dark corner of Fleet Street. While this style continues to work well for Mr Lynch... For other spokespeople, it could detract from the message they want to get across. 
We can't get enough of the interview Ruby Tui gave at the end of New Zealand's World Cup final victory. The Blackfern star delivered an interview that was authentic, inclusive and packed with personality. How was it, New Zealand? How was it? She asked the crowd at the start of her interview. I'm just so proud to be a New Zealander right now. They said nobody cared about women's rugby. Well, guess what? We're out here. We're going nowhere. Thank you for letting us be here, have our presence here. She added, they said we couldn't do it, kids. They said we wouldn't. We did it. And honestly, it took all of us. Anybody out there defended an England mall before? It isn't easy in the last minute, baby. But we all did it together. New Zealand did it together. And I'm so proud to be here right now. Tui then stole the mic and led the crowd on a rendition of a Maori folk song. As one of our current working journalist tutors, I would describe that post-match interview as a masterclass. One of the things as media trainers we encourage athletes, players and coaches to do when giving interviews is to turn up and own it. Put your personality to the fore and share your love and passion for your sport with the audience who are watching and listening. Tell stories, engage your audience and don't be boring. This was a masterclass from Ruby Tui, who gave an interview that had everything, including a sing-along with 40,000 fans in Eden Park. Tui packs her interviews with charm, unbridled passion, enthusiasm and humour. And she's part of a team that is not afraid to be authentic and let their personality shine through when talking to the media. Other media spokespeople can learn a lot from them. In a year where good news stories have not always been easy to find, the release of Nazanin Zagari Ratcliffe after six years in prison stands out as a highlight. The 43-year-old returned to the UK from Iran in March. And after such a long period of being silenced, she proved to be a composed and articulate communicator as she faced the media with her husband Richard. An impressive press conference began with praise for her husband and daughter. There was a willingness to share personal anecdotes, recalling a phone conversation she had with her daughter when still in Iran. Mummy, you do realise you are famous, Gabriella had said, before adding she went on to say, you're not going to be famous forever, maximum a week. On the moment they were reunited, she said, I had been waiting for that moment for such a long time. It was lovely to get to hold her, to braid her hair and to brush her hair. That was a moment that I really, really missed. And she remained composed when asked to relive the dark moments of her time in jail. But perhaps more impressive was her willingness to share thoughts and opinions, despite the press being warned she would not make any political statements. How many foreign secretaries does it take for somebody to come home? Was a memorable quote as she refused to give the government credit for her return. She added... I was told many, many times that, oh, we're going to get you home. That never happened. So there was a time that I felt like, you know what, I'm not going to trust you because I've been told many, many times that I'm going to be taken home. But that never happened. Since her release, Miss Sagari Ratcliffe has continued to campaign and recently filmed herself cutting her hair in solidarity with protesters in Iran after the death of Masa Amini. She's also been named as a guest editor of Radio 4's Today programme as part of its Christmas plans and is writing her memoirs with her husband, which are due to be published next year. Jamie Oliver 
often divides opinion. But he produced a brilliant radio interview as part of his campaign, urging the government to widen the eligibility threshold for free school meals. What made it stand out so much? Well, he started strongly. His opening answer not only outlined why more children should receive free school meals, but also took the sting out of a potential counter-argument. He said, There will be people listening to this going, Look, it's a parent's responsibility to nourish their child. But just to give context to the conversation, to get a free school meal, a household, not a person, needs to earn less than £7,400 a year. So think about that. We're talking about the most vulnerable kids. We're talking about how bad is bad. If you earn over £7,400, you won't get that free school meal. But I think we would all agree there is a massive gap between the means test for free school meals as it stands and universal credit. I think what the government are saying is universal credit tethers off and can go up to sort of 30 to 40,000 pounds, but really we're talking about the bulk of them being around 14,000 pounds per household. During our media training courses, we often advise against introducing a negative, but this was a great example of how adding context can kill a negative angle by showing you're trying to solve a problem. From that strong start, he added the human element we talk about so often during our media training courses, by describing pupils arriving at school with empty lunchboxes and no money to buy food. If you spent time in schools, he said, and track what children are eating on a daily basis, what we have now is a situation where kids are coming in with nothing. They have nothing on their card and nothing in their lunchbox, he added. It was an interview with a natural conversational flow, yet at the same time you realise the chef had prepared thoroughly. He knew the message he wanted to get across and supported it with attention-grabbing facts and figures and evidence-based answers. But he was also aware of the wider issues and negatives that could be brought into the conversation, knowledgeably responding to the questions on obesity, levelling up and the anti-growth coalition. And that preparation included self-awareness. He understood that, as a millionaire, his wealth could detract from his message. That doesn't affect my kids. We are talking about our kids. Neatly diffused that. But perhaps the strongest feature of this interview was the passion. You sense Mr Oliver was passionate about health and education and driven to do something to improve it. The passion came through in every answer and is a crucial component of impactful media interviews. We tell delegates on our media training courses the audience is more likely to warm to a spokesperson who shows passion and enthusiasm. Passion makes people sit up and take note. It can turn doubters into believers. It help builds trust. And it's the driving force behind great communication. Since that interview, Mr Oliver has written for The Big Issue about the importance of kindness and is another guest editor of the Today programme, a platform he intends to use to improve child health. No look back at the best communicators of the year would be complete without including Volodymyr Zelensky. Many of us would not have heard of the Ukrainian president this time last year, but his handling of the Russian invasions and brilliant communication skills have made him a household name. The former actor has led from the front winning the information war and controlling the narrative. His decision to stay in the country showed visible crisis leadership, 
often being seen on the streets of Kiev and offered people hope. And his use of social media and selfie videos have combined persuasive optics with direct access to his people and the wider world. While the unscripted nature of those videos added to his authenticity, he's also adapted his message for different audiences. When he addressed the House of Commons, he quoted William Shakespeare and Winston Churchill, and he referenced Pearl Harbour when he spoke to the US Congress. And he's delivered some powerful sound bites. This might be the last time you see me alive, he told European leaders during a conference call, a chilling warning that added a personal element to the subject. When turning down an evacuation offer from the US, he said, The fight is here. I need ammunition, not a ride. And in a warning to Russian soldiers, he said, When you attack us, you will see our faces, not our backs. At a time when his country has needed him most, Mr Zelensky has proved to be an outstanding communicator. And finally, time for something a little different. There was one other communicator to mention, someone who arguably produced the most visually memorable interview of the year. It's the protester who spoke coherently and impactfully to reporters despite being carried away on her front by the police. The Just Stop Oil and Extinction Rebellion campaigner seemed remarkably composed and prepared despite being handcuffed and led away from a London protest. In footage widely shared on social media, she said, I'm doing this for my son. The government's inaction on climate change is a death sentence for us all. The United Nations has said we should have no new oil. Liz Truss wants to open 130 new oil licences. That's a death sentence for this planet. Our boss is no doubt working on how to devise a how-to-give-a-media interview whilst being dragged away by police option for our bespoke media training. If you'd like to find out more about media training and crisis communication and subscribe to our blogs, head to mediafirst.co.uk. Read and hear more from our blog at mediafirst.co.uk. Media First, specialists in communication training.